Hey everybody, welcome to episode 39 of Talk Hard, presented by Walk Softly Films. With me, as always, from Frankfort, Kentucky, Scott Stafford. Konnichiwa. For our Japanese listeners, strong <laughs> contingent, and Todd Sheen from here in Danville. Hi, I'm Todd Sheen, and I'm every woman's dream. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I thought he was going to maybe give the German uh, hello, but because uh, we have a lot of those fans too. But I'm Alan Martin, and uh, here to take you on this journey. Um, Scott, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, we're going to touch a little bit on Kentucky native and everybody's favorite character actor, Harry Dean, Dean Stanton. Um, we're going to talk about him that we lost uh, earlier this week. Uh, we'll talk about um, some fallout from our last episodes. Uh, what uh, what did Twitter think about? What was the best 80s song? Yeah, uh, I can't wait to hear that those uh, results. Maybe, I honestly have no idea what they are. So We'll talk about the gangbusters reaction to It, and did we expect that? Uh, greatest American Hero reboot. Uh, somebody that's I myself think should be fired yesterday at Marvel. <laughs> oh my! Uh-huh. Freaking heat. Tease, tease. Uh, and then we're going to talk about some <coughs> some Harrison Ford, Ryan Gosling heat. And it's hilarious. And Alan watched Mother, and he's going to tell us about the deep-seated conflict that it has created in his soul. My goodness, it's something else. I'm fighting with it almost daily at this point. So, <laughs> And this yeah, is not the Albert Brooks mother. This is the, no. the Darren Aronofsky. Right. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, first, I think uh, let's just uh, wrap up last week's episode, or the last, uh, I guess it's not weekly, the way we do it, but uh, let's let's wrap up the last episode and uh, get into that Twitter poll. So um, which songs did you put up on the poll? Just our top picks? I did. I put our top three. So uh, Africa by Toto. Uh, Don't Dream It's Over by Todd's reportedly greatest band. You're welcome. Of all time. Crowded House. And Your Love. favorite band. No, I don't know that that's true. And your love by the outfield. Those were the three choices. I like all of them, and I downloaded all of them to my. Uh, I already had uh, Africa, but I downloaded the other two to my iPod just because it was your all's favorites. So I asked Twitter, uh, our twenty thousand Twitter followers plus, uh, which of these is the best eighty song, and fifty-seven percent of the audience said, and by no surprise, really. Africa was the choice. Wow. I'm a little surprised. Well, I feel like if I read that, I wouldn't even know what your love is. Like, it's one of my favorite songs, and I always don't know what, like, mm. when, you know, when I'm trying to tell somebody what the song is, like, I don't right. even know what the title of that song is. Like, I always want to say it's like Josie something or other. Yeah, because that's the way it opens so strong. Yeah, at least with yeah. Africa and Don't Dream It's Over, like both of those, I immediately know what it is because, like, you know, Don't Dream It's Over is in in the chorus. So, but anyway, yeah. but that's the only reason I lost is what I'm saying. Right. So let let me let me let me guess which one finished in third. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Scott's bringing the excuses early and often. <laughs> uh, Don't Dream It's Over pulled in 30% of the vote, and Your Love got 13% of the vote. Wow. Again, I don't think people know what that song is because if they did, you think it would have had a better. You think if we could have put samples up? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I think Africa still wins by landslide, but <laughs> it's de- it's definitely the most popular. Or wouldn't yeah. you say, Todd? In in fairness, I'm not saying it's the best song, but definitely like the most widely played and and well known of those three songs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when it came out, let's see, that was probably 82. Um, so, I mean, you know, the radio was different even from 82 to uh, Don't Dream It's Over was 86. Uh, the outfield was probably closer to Don't Dream It's Overtime than it was to uh, Africa. But, you know, you, you, early 80s, you know, you still – it's just like the decade before it. It's still there's still some of that, you know, the decade before plays into the way, um, you know, music is going into the next decade. Even though, you know, there's still a lot of arena rock, and you know, and Toto's kind of they're kind of that arena rock type group, a little bit. They just didn't get it. They didn't hit as big as you know Journey and Boston and some of those. But um, yeah, I think I think it's I think the reason is because that that album was just a total behemoth, um, total four. Because I mean, you had Rosanna, which was song of the year, mm-hmm. and then Africa was uh, either the third or fourth release off that. So it followed up with Rosanna, and you know, and and sometimes those those big mega albums just kind of you know they lend themselves to having multiple hits like that and then of course they won seven grammys off that album so rosanna I'm not surprised. the history of rosanna well covered in yacht rock if anybody wants to look that yeah, up you check that out absolutely Scott, and you should you said that uh africa wasn't your favorite even it wasn't even your favorite toto song what is your favorite uh, well, don't put me on the spot like that um i do like roxanna is that the title Rosanna. 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 What I say, Roxanna. 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 Yeah, that's the crossover <laughs> with the police. Roxanna and yeah. Rosanna. Rosanna. Uh, the, name, the name mashup and crossover both. You did two different things. That's right. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, hold the line. I'm a big fan of hold the yeah, line. Yeah, that's a good one. So maybe that's, that one. That's that's my that's my favorite Toto. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's what I'd go with too. Yeah, that one. That one in ninety nine. Ninety nine is awfully good too, um, and that was ninety nine was off their second album. That was like the only hit off of there. Um, but yeah, "Hold the Line" was from their debut album. That's a great song. It holds up really well. Yeah, it's not bad. Snow Africa, not bad. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. We lost a fellow Kentuckian and one of our favorites uh, in Hollywood, Harry Dean Stanton, this uh, probably about what, two weeks ago as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my man lived a good life from Western West Irvin, Kentucky. He was 91 years old when he died. So um, that is not bad. That's not a bad run. Uh, you guys want to talk about Harry Dean a little bit? Nope. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> uh, well, uh, Todd, go for it. I mean, what are your what are your recollections? How about how about 
Well, let's. How about if we pose a question like this? Because it's it's easy to talk about Harry the man, and you know his. Um, I think his integrity as far as being a, a character actor. But what's the first? Which movie you remember seeing Harry Dean in? For me, it's probably Alien. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Alien. I'm going to say the same. There was probably he, and he's done. Golly, he did so much work. I mean, even in the '60s and '70s, mainly, you know, he did a lot of TV work. But um, you know, like the TV westerns and stuff. But yeah, the 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 one that stood out that I mean, I remember seeing was uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, Alien. Yeah. So, and did a good job. I mean, you know, it's funny to go back and watch that. I watched it. Um, I watched a little bit of it on the flight over or back. I can't remember which. And, uh, you know, he and he and uh, Yefet Kato or Yefet Kato, however it's pronounced, the, you know, they're the engineers, I guess, of the, the maintenance guys on this on the Nostromo. And they're just like, you know, uh, they're just, you know, upset and grizzled and and upset because they don't get the same amount of money that the other people get if they find, you know, uh you know, if they find something that's worth a lot of money back on Earth, they don't, you know, they're, they're not getting the same cut, I guess. And they're always constantly complaining about that. But I thought that was kind of funny to go back and stuff that I didn't even remember because it's been a while since I've seen Alien. But, yeah, I did a good job, really good job. I mean, I, I, when when he gets attacked, I mean, that, that scene's one of the scariest to me because yep. he's walking down those dark corridors like they do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's easily one of the more uh, memorable parts of that movie, I think. My man did a ton of TV, that's for sure. He was... uh, (laughs) especially early. Yeah, yeah. prolific in all the 60s Western uh, television shows. Anytime they needed a a drunk or a bad guy or, you know, it's just an an overall 'er ne'er-do-well, Harry Dean was your guy. Yeah, he he really does lend himself to looking like a drunk <laughs> yeah yeah just uh, got that look i remember him in pretty in pink a little bit yeah. i've never watched that movie all the way through but i remember like seeing him in the bits that i've seen uh i haven't seen and now these are on my list but paris texas and repo man seem to be two of the ones that people say you got to watch so yeah repo man. yeah repo man was really that's a that's and that's a that movie's really kind of um it's kind of it's rough if you're not if you're not ready for it, but mm-hmm. especially when I watched it back, you know, I've watched it back in the '80s at the dawn of home video. But I do remember seeing that, and and he was good. I mean, uh, Pretty in Pink. I mean, just just to, to talk about his talent, you know, to see what he's done over the years, and then to see him play that role in Pretty in, in Pretty in Pink, because um, he did such a good. I mean, he was such a likable dad. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he really, really uh, connected with him, and I mean that would have been the last role I would have thought he would have taken. Yeah, um, but he's, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I, I'd say a lot of it was, hey, I got to pay the, got to pay for my, you know, uh, cabin out here, and um, but I, a lot of it is, you know, I think he just, uh, you know, he just wanted to expand what he was already doing because he's, I mean, he, you know, worked with a lot of Maverick type directors and. Mm-hmm. And then just to be in this mainstream movie in a really, really small role, I thought, you know, but he's, he still kind of stole it for me, the movie. Yeah, I agree. Like to me, 
if I was going to put him in something, that's what I would put him in. Just kind of like that sad dad down on his luck. Like that for me is what felt perfect for him. Whereas mm-hmm. on, on TV, like, you know, almost always, you know, the bad guy, some type of crook, but, mm-hmm. and, right. and I can certainly see that too and why they would do that. But yeah, that you just can sympathize with him so much in that face. If, if put into a role, like he wasn't pretty in pink. Yeah. And, uh, John, uh, a fan, very, a favorite of John Carpenter. He was in several of John mm-hmm. Carpenter's films. Um, did did a really good job and Christine specifically, but and also uh, Escape from New York. Yeah, uh, Roger Ebert was a big fan. Uh, one of his quotes on him uh, was, "No movie featuring either Harry Dean Stanton or M. Emmett Walsh in a supporting role can be altogether bad." He was a big fan of Harry Dean Stanton. Um, of course, he didn't see Sam Still Private Eye though. <laughs> yeah. Navy veteran of World War II, which is crazy. Yeah. That wow. is crazy. Yeah. A career spanned 60 years. Uh, went to Lafayette High School for all the Kentucky listeners out there and went to UK. Uh, performed in the Guignol Theater, which I've been in uh, when I went to school there. Uh, his family had a musical background, and, and he always said that he, he kind of had to make the choice between if he was going to be a musician or go into acting and he felt like acting would give him the chance to do both. Uh, but he had a very profound love for music, uh, throughout his life and, and would, you could get him to sing it again, catch him singing it almost any time he was given the opportunity. So, yeah. What were your favorite? Do y'all have a favorite role that he played? I, you know, he was really good in uh, straight story, which was, um, uh, David Lynch uh, directed. Yeah, he was. I'm and, looking at it. Yeah, if you if you uh, if you watch that movie, and of course, what was funny that movie was rated G. Um, Walt Disney put it out, I think it was, um, but it was about a guy that was uh, he got on a he got on his um, lawnmower or tractor, I think, and rode across. I was at the Southwest or something to go visit his brother. Uh, and he, and he did that in, on his tractor. Uh, and it was, I think it was based on a true story that David Lynch had come across, but I mean, it's very unlike any David Lynch movie you've ever seen because every, you know, if you've seen any David Lynch movies or TV, I mean, he's just, it's out there, but this was really just, you know, straightforward and kind of, uh, very unlynch like, I guess, is what I would say. But but he was really good in that. I think he played um, of uh, the main character. Um, I'm pretty hmm. sure that's what it was. It, yeah, they were estranged or something like that. Uh, but he was journeying across. It's, yeah, Iowa to Iowa to, Iowa to Wisconsin on his lawnmower. Uh, Richard Farnsworth was the main character. So. But uh, good, you know, and you, you, I don't think uh, Harry Dean was in the movie that long. It's been a while since I've seen it, but he just had, you know, it was just one of those where you're waiting for, you're waiting for it to get to Harry Dean's part. And I guess I'll go with uh, Johnny Velvet from uh, Laverne and Shirley. Wow. <laughs> Deep pull. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Johnny Velvet. Johnny Velvet. My goodness. That's um, the first time Laverne and Shirley's 
<laughs> we talked about on Talk Art. Took us 39 episodes to get there, but... Won't be the last, I promise you. <laughs> Squiggy <Yeah>. is <laughs> going to make it in sometime. I yeah. tell you, another, another role that I that stands out to me was... Um, was uh, the, he was the father in Red Dawn, and he mm-hmm. was in the mm-hmm. prison camp. And all I can remember is, you know, he, he's he's so ill that they had there were people that had to bring him up to the fence so he could talk to Patrick Swayze, his son, in the movie. And as they're walking away, he he turns around and he says, "Boys, avenge me!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he says that one two or three times, but it's just kind of chilling, you know. Uh, the way he the way he put it out there so can't go wrong with harry as your dad in uh russia invaded uh southwest or north northwest america so happy happy trails harry dean stanton that's right yeah also uh don't want to mention him as toot toot in the green mile which uh, that movie was a little weird oh yeah but um i I really liked what he did him and sam rockwell kind of made that movie worth watching for me i agree i'd totally forgotten about that one he can yeah, blend the, in. He can sneak up on you. That, on, that's exactly that. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was the one that they uh, used as the um, sort of the dummy to mm-hmm. when they were getting ready to do an execution, they would use him to walk the green mile and, and practice with. So, uh, and he always had like a backstory as to why he, this, this particular time he was walking the green mile. So it was always, I, I liked him in that. Um, all right. Do you want to, you want to take a little break? Let's take a break. And then we'll come back with some news, some quick hitters. You're listening to Talk Art. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Talk Hard. Presented by Walk Softly Films. Let's just jump right into some news here. Um, it's been a couple weeks, but uh, man, it hit theaters and hit it with the hammer of Thor. Like it just completely blew out any, all the expectations that I think everybody had, but I think even that we had. We, I think I actually, when we did, this is what we did Force Watch for. We're not going to get into that right now, but um, like I, I went above what I actually thought the critics were going to give it uh, for what the Rotten Tomato score, and I think it even surpassed that. It was um, this thing was beloved and did great at the box office and acclaimed. Did did uh, I, I think if I'm right, Todd, you saw it and Scott, you didn't, correct? That's right. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. This thing did uh, opening weekend. Let me see. Was it 160? 123 million. Uh, domestic opening weekend and sitting right now at 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, 86 users. Mm-hmm. Um, That's crazy. It is good. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm glad. Um, yeah. oh, I, am I wanted this to be good. I had I had an affinity for it when I was a kid and I really wanted this thing to be good. And and what's, Todd, what did you think? Um, I was I was blown away by how good it was. And, I, and really, I, I think the reason it the reason just the easy elementary answer is that the seven kids, the actors for the played the seven kids, they just worked all together. I mean, you know, usually when you, if you've got seven kid actors that probably haven't really had much, you know, much work, major work, especially before. 
and you're throwing them together and they're supposed to be friends, some of them friends, and then but they have to bond and become friends to fight this evil. Uh, and to for for them to pull it off, I think that's what to me is so amazing because it really uh, the movie felt kind of like a Goonies um, to me. Just that you know those guys that were you know just bonded together, and you believed you know you believed that they were kids that had grown up together, and um, and maybe some of them were closer than others, but then they were kind of thrown in together, uh, you know, and and which you know it kind of. It plays off the fact that, you know, one, one, you know, one individually they can't do anything, but if they're if they stay together as this group of seven, uh, then they can defeat this evil, mm-hmm. uh, which was what the book was all about. And I mean, I, to me, that's why that's why the that's why it's so good. It's not really. I mean, the scares are there, and it's really well done, suspense wise. But it's just the I think the kids uh, they nailed it, man. The act yeah. the it was cast perfectly, and you know, any to me, it, it, that's hard. That's hard to do because uh, you you really have no idea how it's going to work out. But it just, man, it just really came together. Um, and it is, and it is creepy. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, that, along with the fact that they didn't overdo Pennywise, they didn't, they didn't just shove him down your throat the whole time. I thought it was really well done, placed very well. The fact that so much of the horrors in the lives of these kids is not the clown, but it's the stuff they're facing at home, whether it's a, a scumbag dad or it's a family that has forgot, you know, that has forgotten of their son that's alive because of the one they lost uh, or an overprotective mother, uh, things like that. I mean, they're already facing these horrors of childhood anyway, different horrors. And now they've got this crazy demonic clown to deal with. Yeah, and speaking of cast perfectly, man, I was I was going in with uh, a lot of cynicism towards Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård playing uh, Pennywise because I just love Tim Curry so much, and I thought he nailed it. I thought it was great. Yeah, he was. I mean, I I, I can't say enough about the role, and yeah, and I still I still love what uh, Curry did in the in the TV miniseries, but I mean he he's done his own he's done his own thing here. Uh, yeah, Scott head, and I think he he yep. owns he owns that particular take on it myself. Yeah, and I was glad that because uh, I've I've read the book. Um, it's been a long time, but I did read the book, and I read the book, and I was really relieved that they didn't try to do the entire story in two and a half hours. I was glad that they because I didn't know going in that it wasn't going to be just the kids part. Right. Um, oh, you so, did. I know I didn't, and I was very relieved that because uh, I thought the pacing was really good. Nothing seemed rushed, yeah. um, and I was worried that it was going to feel that way um, if they tried to get both the the adults and the kids in there together. So I agree because I mean that's the thing; it's a twelve hundred page book or close to it. Yeah, and it's a lot. That's a lot to cover. Uh, and I mean, I think you could see probably in some of the Harry Potter movies they made they made some cuts in, you know, from the source material that made the movies work. And they did some on this too. There was some changes, obviously. Well, thank uh, God for one of them. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> thank we God. See that. We didn't, we didn't see or haven't inferred that 11 year olds were having uh, group sex. So yeah. Glad about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott, for the spoiler, but that part's not in there. So I don't know if that, yeah. 
if that's going to direct you to not watch it now, because I know you were looking forward to that. Yeah, oh yeah, and now I'm uh, <laughs> never going to see it now. Um, what uh, one thing I would that I I would say is uh, to have that to break it up into two movies, so you've actually got some real time separation between the yeah. movies is will work really well for it too, to where you've actually got some time between when these people were kids and then later on and 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 the clown shows back up later just to give you some instead of running it all through in one movie that'll give it like more of a of an effect you know more of a visceral yeah. effect yeah and i've heard uh jake gyllenhaal is in talks to be bill in the have you heard that i hadn't heard the only the only person i'd heard that they were uh throwing names around were for were for the girl and that was uh mm-hmm. Chastain and Amy Adams. Right. Um, so, and I think either, I think probably Chastain might be a better idea. I'll vote for Chastain. I don't, I, Amy Adams, I've got, I've got. A little Adams fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, yeah. I guess, you know, I don't know. Once Let's you've got the stink of DC on you, I don't know. Maybe that's. Yeah. <laughs> well, according to Todd, you got a lot of stink anyway. <laughs> Let's face it. Let's face it. The reason you're saying this is because <laughs> what I said about a year and a half ago or two years ago. Has sunk into your medulla oblongata. <laughs> Scott, for those that don't don't know or don't remember, I think we've talked about it on this podcast. But Todd is pretty sure that Amy Adams has hygiene <laughs> problems. So, um, I thought that was Jennifer Lawrence. Was Amy Adams the one? No, you're the one that said Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think sorry. sorry. Yeah. J Law. Cat yeah. piss never clean. Yeah, yeah, cat piss never clean is what they call her on the set of Hunger Games. Uh, but <laughs> to back up your wow, your assumption, uh, but no, uh, Todd was team Amy Stinky. Okay. Um, and you know but, what? If if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I apologize. Yeah. But I, I I've got to go. You know, I've got to go on my gut feeling. <laughs> I, right. I thought like when I heard, oh, they've got some ideas in mind for uh, the the girl in it, the girl part in the second one. Uh, I clicked on it and halfway expected uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Why wouldn't they? Is she just not old enough, you think? Or I think um, I think she's been in too many crappy movies. Oh, okay. no, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I like her, and I probably like her better than those two. Yeah, um, I, I think Chastain might have an end just because she was in Mama, which was the director's movie before he did right. it. Yeah. And That's she, probably a possibility. And she's definitely viewed as more of the critical darling, I think, of right. the two. Yeah, Amy is just Lois Lane, let's face it. Well, I'm throwing Bryce Dallas Howard in there. All right, uh, do y'all want to move on? I, I do want to say that I think... Last I think, thoughts on it? Okay. I think part two, I think the second part, and they, of course they've already got a date for it now. It's going to be... Basically the same time frame in two years in, in 20, uh, 29, is it 2019? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so September, early September, 2019, uh, is, is the time, is the time frame for the, for the re- for the release of the second part, which is good because obviously you're going to use the same kids. And I think that, you know, the plan is, you know, it's, it's going to be the adult heavy version of the book, but there's going to be a lot of flashbacks to the kids uh, back in the you know in the night the year 1989 when all this stuff was happening, so you you might see some things that you didn't see, mm. obviously in the first one um, that uh, that you know that tie it in because let's face it, it's a, you know that's a big selling point of the of the first movie uh, and why people have gone back to see it and 
uh, why they've told other people to see it is because of, uh, of the kids. And I think, I think in a way you need those kids uh, to be part of the selling point of part two. Yeah. Uh, to make it work, to hold it all together. Scott, do you have intentions of seeing it? I do. I, I'll see it for sure. And, uh, you know, cause I don't, I feel like, uh, you know, as far as horror movies go, I feel like this is more in my wheelhouse of the things that I would enjoy. Um, you know, just kind of the, I, cause I liked the, the, the premise, uh, of the first one. And I liked the, the first movie and, and the creepiness of it, whereas it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hit your, you over the head with horror. It's more, you know, it's, it's a lot more cerebral, I guess. Um, mm. But my takeaway from it all was shouldn't we have known all along that this was maybe the Goliath uh, intellectual property of the horror universe that was just kind of sitting out there for years? Like, it's like, how did we miss that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. The way it just, I mean, it's obvious now looking back and the money that it brought in that, this was, you know, because they're always looking for stuff to recycle and constantly, mm-hmm. and they won't leave Jason and Freddy alone and Halloween, yeah. and they want to go back to it and back to it and back to it. It's like, how did this just sit dormant for, you know, 20 or 30 years? And and to me, it was like, it seems like a no-brainer. Now, you had to get it right. You had to have the right director, yeah. writer, actors, and you had to hit it out of the park to to make this kind of money because, you know, to keep people, especially since we talked about Stephen King's horror stuff, hasn't done well. exactly, exactly, yeah. and and I guess that's where people get standoffish. But it has always been. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of value there in in, uh, in that property, and like everybody knows what it was, and everybody remembers the first movie and and what an effect it had on them. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like it's just kind of surprising to me that it took somebody this long to try to do it. And, yeah, especially people our age that like are in the wheelhouse yeah. of, of those that yeah. got to see it on TV when it first came on. So maybe it was, you know, it's probably actually perfect timing, but I would just yeah. assume that, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there kicking themselves. Like, why didn't we do this? Well, the thing is if they'd done it, I mean, first the it mini series came out in 1990. That's been 27 years ago, which is, it's, uh, it's funny because it's, uh, from 1990 to 27, 20 between the two, it's, it's the same amount of years that Pennywise sleeps. Yeah. Yeah. 27 year span, which worked out pretty funny, funnily and interesting. But um, I think, you know, if you, if they tried to do this 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. um, they probably would have tried to make a truncated version of it and not let it breathe in two parts because probably you know, they didn't, you know, we weren't, they weren't making movies like that that you know 15 years ago it was like okay yeah. well we've got it's got to be one movie because nobody's gonna nobody's right. gonna wait a year and a half or two years in between tra- chapters and now it's kind of that's kind of a something that people are expecting sometimes i mm-hmm. think so Do we have marvel to thank for that uh harry, maybe harry potter i think yeah Uh-oh. yeah rings yeah so yeah. those those two for sure yeah well, since we're since we're kind of talking, Valerian more, definitely Valerian. It, well, everybody's the first thing that comes to everybody's mind. Um, since we're already uh, talking horror, Todd, you uh, you wanted to get into the uh, new Halloween a little bit, right? Yeah, just uh, and just a quick quick hitter on that. But um, everybody knows, or maybe not everybody knows, but 
um, a year in about a year from now in 2018, October, I'm not sure what the actual release date is, but, uh, the next Halloween movie is coming out and that's, uh, um, John, Car- uh, John Carpenter's actually executive producing. I think he's actually going to do the soundtrack for it, which is great. Yeah, that's good. Um, he's creative consultant behind it. Uh, David Gordon Green and, um, Oh gosh, Danny McBride, mm-hmm. uh, the producing team for like Eastbound and Down. They're um, they're you know producing, writing, and directing. Uh, Green's directing, and um, McBride's producing and writing with him. Uh, but this supposedly this one's going to take place after the Halloween two, um, which you know Halloween two and Halloween and Halloween two took place the same night. It was one just continuous movie on the same evening. Um, but this one is supposedly going to pick up after Halloween two. Uh, and I guess it was just last week. It was announced that, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has signed on to play Laurie Strode again, mm-hmm. her character. Um, so that's going to be interesting because my, when I first heard about it, I thought, okay, this is going to take place. The movie's going to take place in the late seventies or whenever, you know, the time frame was, uh, but now we're looking, you know, next year is the 40th anniversary of the original Halloween obviously Jamie Lee Curtis is 40 years older. Um, so is this going to be taking place modern day and we're just picking up and forgetting about Halloween's three through eight. Um, and yeah. of course, and of course forgetting about the, uh, raw zombie versions cause we know better. Um, <laughs> so well, yeah, it's pulling a, a Superman. Right. But it's, yeah. it's almost like, you know, they, they're wanting this maybe be the last, you know, the last band hurrah for it. Um, you know, they're, they're bringing in John Carpenter, who was the original creator and bringing in Jamie Curtis, who's the face of the franchise other than Michael Myers. So it'll be interesting to see how that works next year. John Carpenter did say that he thought that the green and, um, McBride had really nailed the idea for the movie. And he thinks they, he thinks it'll be really good. And if John Carpenter says that, I guess you have to go with it. So. We'll see what happens, but that's the latest on it. But uh, the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is, is coming back is kind of exciting in a way. Yeah, that's cool. It's funny how that's a thing now because, you know, they're going to disregard all the movies that came after the second one, and right. Cameron's going to do the exact same thing with The Terminator, and, and yeah. his new one is going to happen after T2, and he's bringing Linda Hamilton back. And somebody's going to have to explain yeah. to me how they're using Arnold at this point because – I don't. I, I'm done with Arnold as a Terminator. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm all about you know longevity and and trying to stay young as long. But it's not working for me. You know, Arnold as as a Terminator these days. So I don't know. You know, they could bring in speaking of longevity to play the Terminator. Shout out to Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Let's get him in here. Let's get him some Terminator costume and let's roll with this thing. That's what I say. We can all agree on that one. Yeah. yeah. Although Drago, then let's go ahead and let him be the Terminator. I've I've heard tell that much like Avatar, they were going to try to wrap him up and do Kindergarten Cop three through seven. Great. Back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> well, maybe you can get out of that. <laughs> all right. Uh, Let's go into some television. Uh, Greatest American Hero reboot. Am I looking at this right? <laughs> oh, you're seeing that correctly. <laughs> what the heck? 
Uh, I love the I love the originals, but what's going on with this? Single camera style, just like the Monsters reboot, um, and they're recasting. Uh, now, you tell me. Maybe I'm a hypocrite for this. I don't know, but you all know that sometimes it bothers me when uh, they recast characters. Uh, I can never do this without sounding like a dick. Um, <laughs> but sometimes it would bother me if you recast race for a character like Captain America that I've read for decades and has always been Steve Rogers to me. And he looks like, you know, like I know in my head what he looks like. So tell me, am I a hypocrite? Cause they're going to recast this thing with apparently, uh, the character's name will be Mira, and she'll be a 30-year-old Indian-American lady from Cleveland. Now, that doesn't bother me at all. So, you tell me, like, should it not bother me if they want to do Captain America the same way? Or, you know, what do you all think about how Aaron, why I, can't one... stay in, I can't stay in Cleveland. You know that. <laughs> why does one bother me and the other doesn't? I mean, it, obviously, it's because I have no attachment to the character yeah. from American he greatest American hero. Like, it's not like, you know, he, I don't even remember the dude's name, like what his character's name is. So it's like, I don't care if he's white or Ralph black Hinkley. or Indian or whatever. Um, Ralph Hinckley. Is, Ralph that's Hinkley. It? Okay. So it, but it changed, it changed because the, the show was on at the same time that Reagan was almost assassinated. And the guy that oh, yeah, tried to yeah, assassinate yeah. him, his name was Hinckley. Right. And so for two or three episodes, his name was Hanley, and then they went back to Hinkley and didn't even didn't even bother to tell anybody. That's funny. Goodness, that is weird. That's, That's ABC. <laughs> um. No, I think the I think probably the reason it doesn't bother you is kind of like what you were saying is like you have three seasons when you were yeah. four, five, and six years old, and like you don't have you don't have years and years of source material that you're attached to that all of a sudden somebody's going to come in and try to jerk you around on right just, yeah just like to me that much time and and that much established and if you're a poor kid from uh the from depression era new york and you grew up in brooklyn or whatever that makes mm -hmm. your character who you are as much as i wouldn't take the black panther and make him a white guy you know like yeah. it's kind of yeah. who you are anyway. So let's uh, let me let's just run the premise by you guys and see if you think this sounds like a good idea and, and separate it from all that just on premise alone. Okay. 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 So Mira will be a 30 year old Indian American lady from Cleveland. And this is the quote unquote whose talents include tequila drinking and karaoke and not much else. Then some okay. <laughs> then some aliens entrust her with a super suit to protect the planet, and the world has never been in more unreliable hands. So that second half is the part we know. Uh, so how do you feel about a lady from Cleveland whose talents include tequila drinking and karaoke and not much else? Does it sound like a, sound like a good I've, show? I think two words that you just said, and that is unreliable hands. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't know. The, this the single camera and the tequila drinking karaoke. I I don't know. It sounds a little hokey. Yeah, I'm getting tired of the comedy coming from, oh, she's a mess. 
Yeah. Like, uh, have we done that like lots of times now? I feel like yeah. we we're, we're we've seen plenty of. Oh, it's funny because she's a mess. Yeah, and it's not working anymore. Yeah. I mean, the Ghostbuster stuff didn't work, and uh, Rough Night with that that Scarlett Johansson movie that just came out that's awful. Like that's not nobody wants to see it. Yeah, it's over. Bridesmaids had a good run, and then after that, it's been like okay, everything else it seems copycat and not not great. It, there's no doubt Mindy Kaling is starring this thing. Right? <laughs> it sounds like it, right? Yeah, <laughs> it certainly uh, sounds that way. Guess who's not going to go see it? Yeah, well, it, it'll be on your TV, but. Guess who's going to not have a TV? <laughs> hey, but we love women. We do. Remember out there, ladies. Right. Yeah. Uh, and remember, I really love you. And remember, you all, I'm every woman's dream. Podcast sex symbol. May- Todd <laughs> Maybe Shane. this is why the women love Todd. is because yeah, he, he like, just lets- you and I just, <laughs> <laughs> just blast every project that women are involved in. And yeah. Todd's like, eh. Yeah, and conveniently didn't show up for right, like two right. hours of yeah. Ghostbusters bashing. Todd's <laughs> hey, the only non-misogynist on the panel. Don't, Mindy, don't listen to anybody. You can do it. You can do anything you want if you want to bash <coughs> I'll, I'll prove that we don't just bash women. Let's talk about some inhumans. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Excellent segue. Yeah, I mean, well, sticking with TV, and I, I have a feeling we have a Scott Stafford rant that might be equal to no other coming up here This is on this Inhuman show. Okay, so I'm going to label this as Marvel's biggest miss ever. Like, this thing is straight trash. Ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it is... Ghost Rider 2. Yeah, it's worse okay. than that. Yeah, I'll okay. take Nick Cage... Uh, urinating fire any day. <laughs> wow! Over this show. Oh my! I watched probably the last fifty minutes of it. I missed the first ten. Maybe that was the key. Maybe that's where I fell. But maybe so. I mean, on every level, every level, this is a misstep. They rushed it through production. Uh, the so if anybody doesn't know, Inhumans was actually in the slate of Marvel movies that was to be made like next year. Uh, it was in the it was in this phase of movies with Doctor Strange and Black Panther and uh, Captain Marvel and then the Inhumans and that was the slate and then they got Spider Man and I think that was when it just it went away and so they said okay let TV have it so then it turned into they made some deal with IMAX and debuted the first one or two episodes on IMAX and they said IMAX almost pulled the plug on it. Or it they... did terrible. <laughs> no surprise. It, I mean, the opening weekend, it didn't, nobody went. <laughs> yeah. Who would? Yeah. Like it's terrible. It's terrible TV on an IMAX screen and, and, and it had an extremely low budget, which like you're going to produce something for IMAX with a super low budget. Like, how does that make any sense whatsoever? Uh, so the casting is awful, awful. Uh, costumes, production design, terrible. Everything, the script is awful. It is the worst. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. The good night, it's bad. The only way it survives, the only way, the only way it makes it through the season uh, without getting yanked is if Disney says you're keeping it on. And they already pulled that with, uh, 
what did they oh they were going to cancel uh agents of shield and um disney said nope you're not Uh, and uh so they saved agents of shield they might do the same with inhumans but i'm curious to see because man this thing is so much worse like agents of shield isn't great and we'll get into that later but uh inhumans is is just a trash barge of uh awfulness it's it's so so terrible they they tried to make it look uh all the production design is supposed to look a lot like the comics which i admire that that they try to go you know stick to the book which normally in the movies i want more of but they didn't have the budget to do that here and it just uh it's it looks like the reason that everybody says no don't make it look like the books because it's gonna look hokey and terrible and it it does look hokey and terrible uh, but man, it's bad. And, uh, I say all that to say that Marvel TV kind of sucks and always has, and you have to f- fire Jeff Loeb. There it is. Fire him as good as, uh, Kevin Feige is at his job and, uh, worth every penny and more that they pay him as the head of movies at Marvel. Jeff Loeb is that for TV and he's, the worst. He's the worst. Before he ever got that job, I couldn't stand Jeff Loeb. Um, <laughs> he let me give you a little bit on Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb is uh, a film and television writer, producer, and comic book writer. Okay, so he was producer writer on the TV series Smallville. Anybody watch it? Anybody like it? You two? Nope. And nope. <laughs> uh, lost. He he worked on that. Um, I watched about the first season and a half of Lost on Netflix. We tried to binge it, and it just lost me. (laughs) It it was the same thing every episode, and I just got tired of it. I don't like Lost. People don't send me emails about it, but I'm sorry. No, I didn't like it either. Uh, Writer for the films Commando and Teen Wolf. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> is it getting better a little I'm, bit yeah i mean i'm i'm back i'm back in a little bit <laughs> uh writer and co-executive producer on the nbc tv show heroes which i couldn't stand you didn't like any of them i thought the first season was okay no i didn't like i season was really bad i i didn't like any of it man especially yeah after that first season like the first season yeah. to me i didn't like but yeah after that it was like this is terrible but he uh he wrote um he wrote has written a lot of comic books and he wrote the Hulk and this is where I first like came into contact with Jeff Loeb I I bought a Hulk comic book and read it uh like on actual paper like back when people used to do that and I read it and when I got to the last page I said to myself who wrote this trash like who wrote this? Like, and I like that. I don't know that I've ever done that in the history of my wow. reading of comic books, gotten to the end of it and said, who wrote this? Cause it's, it's terrible. Like it's so stupid. Uh, and that's when I looked, uh, looked it up, looked to, went to the front of the book. I got to know who wrote this. Cause I, um, am a, uh, a hater for life. And it was Jeff Loeb. And, then, and then, so later when they said, Oh, Jeff Loeb's going to be our head of TV. I said, that's a terrible decision and he's going to screw it up and it's going to be terrible. And I feel like I'm vindicated in my prediction. Yeah. Uh, the Netflix shows they're watchable, but not nearly as good as they should be. Anybody agree with that? Yeah. I'd really like Jessica Jones, but the rest of them, 
Yeah. Um, the rest of them have come way in under. I'm, I've got a lot high hopes for Punisher, too. Have you watched The Defenders yet? Yes, I have. I haven't watched any of those. Uh, Jessica are, Jones. Any good or no, 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 no. Okay. It's not well, good. Uh, Jessica Jones is is the one that I like. Um, so I feel like it's in spite of Jeff Loeb because <laughs> you know across the board all the yeah. television projects kind of stink. Um, and I I, yeah. I know this rant is going long here, but uh, you gotta fire the man. And I'm not for calling. I don't want people to lose their jobs. But he clearly is not good at his. And, and like, I love Marvel, and I want everything Marvel to be good, and especially those Netflix shows, and they are not. And, and it, they could clearly use oversight, just somebody to come in and say, like, look, you know, all the powers on these shows kind of stink, and maybe we need a little more money, and uh, I don't really understand at all what their powers are or how powerful they are or are not. Oh, think- Jeff Loeb, real quick, the, yeah. <laughs> the Hulk. Yeah issue I wrote, I mean, the Hulk issue I read uh, was the, he invented the Red Hulk. To me, that says it all. Like, it says it all. Like, it's a Hulk that's red. (laughs) Thanks for your contribution. And then So no significant differences? Because I remember, like, the Gray Hulk was smart. Right. Like, that was his deal. Yeah, no, no significant different differences. I mean, like, hey, he's the Hulk, but he's red, so the green one can fight him, and those colors are opposite. I mean, uh, like a big Christmas battle. <laughs> yeah, and then he made, if that wasn't good enough, he made Red She Hulk also. Good, <laughs> because Red Hulk was so good. <laughs> he loved what he did so much. Why stop there? <laughs> <laughs> and the big Good reveal great. the big reveal at the end was that there because it was always who's the red hulk what who is it and it, it turned out to be uh uh ross general ross you know the, the, uh, the hulk's main bad guy uh you of know it's always hunting him was was red hulk and i just i just yeah. think that's so stupid and you diminish the regular hulk by making a red hulk and yeah that's garbage i think he's bereft of uh, creativity and is a <laughs> sham of a writer. But he changed the colors, Scott. <laughs> yeah, he did. So sorry for going super negative there, everybody, but got to call that one like I see it, and it's time to let him go. All right. Well, you heard it here first, so when it happens, I mean, I, there's going to be, a, you know, there's going to be like a, a calling for it now. There has that to be. we said it, yeah. and we're going to put it out there. Yeah, because of this show. But... Yeah, it's going to gain some steam. But seriously, how bad can TV side be compared to movie side and nobody ever does anything about it? Like somebody at some point, you know, don't you have to make a change? Like, I feel like they're just like TV that's just like whatever because movies are doing so well. Nobody cares. But I'm sure ABC cares. Yeah. Netflix probably cares. Yeah. Do you do you are you hopeful for the Punisher? Because I am. No. You're not. I want to be. I want it to be yeah. good. Same way I wanted it. I thought Luke Cage had the promise to be. Yeah, could have true. been something fantastic. Really yeah. great. Trailer was so good. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the the concept. And he's a cool character. And it could have been so good in Harlem. And But yeah. I, I have no faith in him to pilot that ship into... Uh, into calm waters. I, I just, I don't think, I, I feel like it'll be like the rest of the Netflix stuff. It'll probably be on the upper end of the Netflix shows, but it's, you know, and, and it's enough to make me watch them, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to be great by any means. 
All right, uh, Todd, you got anything on Jeff Loeb? <laughs> uh, let me just say this. Um, I, I don't know who Jeff Loeb is, but um, he sounds like a really bad person. It For, sounds like you're doing yourself a favor. I mean, just alone on the fact that you spell it J-E-P-H. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, well, right? forget it. I'm not, yeah, uh, that's awful. Yeah. That's so, that should have been their first clue. Yeah, that's lame. <laughs> all right um let's let's pick it back up with some with some fun harrison ford talk you want to please have you all seen all this stuff coming out about uh harrison ford and ryan gosling and harrison continues to kind of troll him a little bit in all the the press release stuff have you seen any of this i've seen a little bit of it but it, yeah uh... yeah it's pretty funny but have todd have you seen anything about like when harrison ford punched ryan gosling in the face <laughs> oh yeah oh no yeah, you were you were. We're welcoming uh, Todd back stateside. By the way, he's been <laughs> yeah, he's been over the overseas, uh, dropping his daughter off at college. So um, and, and welcoming welcoming him back to the podcast after he checked out on thirty minutes of comic book TV talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody! <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so while you were gone, they were doing all these. This uh, I guess it was at. I, I guess I could have done the research, but it was at one of these. Um, I think it was at one of these Comic-Con things where they were talking to him about Blade Runner uh, 2049, which opens this coming up weekend as we record this. And apparently there was a uh, fight scene where um, Harrison Ford threw a haymaker that connected with Ryan Gosling's face. Um, So Harrison Ford, they were asking him about it. And Harrison was like, "Uh, yeah, we were... I mean, they were. I had to make it look good for the cameras, the way the cameras were positioned, and it was. Uh, I threw about a hundred punches. I had to make it look good, and only one of them connected. So I guess I'm ratio wise, it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. I only hit him with one, and so Gosling says that uh, <laughs> he said that they uh, he did hit him, and so they bring like apparently it was a pretty hard punch. So his face starts swelling. They bring ice out for Ryan Gosling's face, and Harrison Ford pushes him out of the way and sticks his hand in the ice, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And so they Harrison's telling the story about you know I you know it's lucky it wasn't I didn't hit him more as many punches as I threw, and so there's they were like so you're saying it was a hundred percent Ryan Gosling's fault, and he's like no not a hundred percent but you know probably ninety probably ninety percent his fault. So that night Harrison Ford comes in. And uh, comes into Ryan Gosling's room, and he's like, you know, sorry, kid. Sorry sorry for punching you in the face. And he's brought a bottle, bottle of scotch. And he puts a shot glass down, pours him a shot of scotch, and takes the rest of the bottle out with him. <laughs> <laughs> and so they asked Harrison Ford about it, and he was like, I only hit him once. I wasn't going to leave the whole <laughs> bottle. <laughs> like, Harrison Ford sounds like a lot of fun, like when you read stuff yes. like this. Like, yeah, I can never quite put a finger on him though, because yeah, when he but when he's on, uh, I think you'd, he's a guy that you'd have to get used to his sense of humor, because like when he's yeah. on uh, talk shows, I feel like nobody knows quite how to take him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he is. I mean, he does. It seems like it's a very dry, super dry. Yeah, uh, Gosling says um, his, the quote. He has is, you know, they say don't meet your heroes, but I would say the addendum to that is unless they're Harrison Ford, because he's a cool mf'er. 
but I love the whole story of him taking Gosling's ice and then only giving him a shot of scotch for it. Do we can we get votes on do we like Gosling? I like Gosling. I'll I'll, I'll get, vote yes. I'll go I'll go yes on Gosling. I think uh, I think my silence answers that question. <laughs> <laughs> You're anti Gosling. I hey, you know what? He's a guy. I'm a guy. That's about it. <laughs> Do you have a reason for the Gosling hate? <laughs> I, you know, I you know I don't hate anybody. I love everybody. I love all humans um, and non-humans. I'm just saying. I just I haven't watched his stuff. I don't, you know, I don't. I just don't get it. You know, he. I, I just don't get it. If he wants to, I want to see him. I want to see him take a punch and then not talk about it. <laughs> That's all. Oh, that's man. all. Have you seen? Know, that? Have you seen? Cra- do that? Have you seen Crazy Stupid Love, Todd? No, I, I haven't seen. I think you should before you sign off on Gosling. Yeah. I feel like you need to see that. Like he's very likable in that one. And it's a yeah, good date I, movie. Uh watch that with your wife. You'll get points. It's a good date movie. Well I, first off, I think I've already signed off on him. Um don't sign off. We're telling you no, don't. No. But but you know I might I might watch one of those down the road. I don't know. I just you know I, down I've the got, road. I've got a cue. I've got a cue that I gotta stick to. <laughs> If I'd watched if I'd watched Ryan Gosling movies this whole time, then I wouldn't have been able to turn you all on to Greasy Strangler, Silent Night, Deadly Night Two, stuff like that. And uh, to me, that's that's where that's where I need to be right now. That Mm. would have been a travesty, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I liked I liked him in Nice Guys. I liked him in uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Um, I didn't really like Driver that much, but I don't think it was his fault. It was too stylized for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, I think he's okay. Right and on. I'm looking forward to Blade Runner. And I think I think that's going to be good. Um, speaking of stylized movies, and we'll finish with this. I'm struggling, <laughs> and it's because I went last weekend and I watched uh, Mother, starring our uh, Kentucky native Jennifer Lawrence. And man, you talk about an artsy fartsy art house movie that really has no narrative, no plot, no, no, like something no direction. I usually hate this crap. Mm-hmm. And when I first watched it, I hated it. And as the, like we watched a matinee of it. And as the day went on, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And now there are parts that like, I started thinking, okay, what if, the what if symbolically what if there's a metaphor here and this is what represents this thing and this is what represents and in my head i created this whole narrative that i could put along with the movie that made me kind of not hate it anymore Mm. which is something i do not do like (laughs) this movie is everything i hate about movies and now i don't hate it Mm -hmm. and i'm having a struggle with that because everything all my instincts are saying you should hate this movie but my heart is saying, I don't know, man. Might have been pretty good. Uh, like, what do you all think? 
I think just based, you told me this uh, last week, kind of where how it, how Christy took it and how you took it. My wife hated it and yeah. still hates it and is not backing off of that. Right. I found it very, very interesting that after you said that, that just a day or two ago, I saw an advertisement for this movie, and now they're promoting it that way. And I don't think I've ever seen it before. Mm. I, I can't recall them ever promoting a movie, and it, and it said, like, 50% of people hate it, and <laughs> some people love it. But you got to see it either way was basically the gist of what the commercial was saying. I was like, wow, like, I don't know that I've ever heard, you know, anybody promote their movie that way. Like, yeah, people hate it. People love it. But you got to see it. You you need to see it so you can see which side of the fence Uh you're on. Yeah. Like Uh the one thing that's for sure, basically, is that, you know, everybody's got a strong opinion. Yeah. Oh, I am 100 percent straddling that fence. I still don't know. Mm hmm. Like, I honestly feel like I need, if there's any sort of cinematic counseling I can go to for this sort of thing, I'd do it. Because it is, it is really bothering me that I can't make up my mind whether I like or hate this movie. Todd, are you, I'm assuming you've planned to see that. Mother, um, I just, I, I think just because of the, the timing and everything, I haven't, I don't know, I, I probably won't go see it in the theater. Okay. I, you don't have to see it in the theater. You're fine not seeing it in the theater. How do you feel about Aronofsky? Um, let's see. Um, Black right, Swan. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Re- I did, I did, Requiem I did, for I did, a Dream. Pie. Yeah. <laughs> Movies I can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw. Um, I never saw Black Swan, and I did see part of Requiem for a Dream, but I just it was just too much for me. I just I yeah. couldn't stand. Looking at uh, Leto's diseased arm anymore. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think it's you know, there's a lot of shock value. I think he tries to go for, and he uh, definitely goes for it in Mother. Yeah. And what else did he do? He what did he? What was the movie that put him on the map? Was that um, was that Pie? Maybe. Um, or, I'm looking at his stuff. He did the uh, yeah. Pie was before. Requiem. Uh, I have a hard time saying that word. <laughs> Requiem. Yeah, I feel like uh, Requiem was the one that really kind of blew him up a little bit. Yeah, like that was you know, yeah. yeah. Then he did the Fountain. Um, I didn't know that he directed the Wrestler. I actually liked the Wrestler. Oh yeah, it wasn't too awful. Yeah. Yeah. It it still meandered dangerously close to not having a plot, which I hate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, mother, you definitely have to figure out your own plot for it, <laughs> and if you're willing to do that, they, but I don't know. I just inferred a lot to it, and now I don't know. I just kind of, I just kind of like it. And when you guys see it, we can we can do a spoiler heavy heavy. Uh, if you're going to watch it, I don't know, Scott. That may be something that you actively avoid. <laughs> um, but if you're going to watch it, we can get into like sort of the the symbolism I put behind it and see if you all can get on board with that or not. But any, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if it'd be worth it for you. And I, but honestly, I will probably go back and watch it again because I want to see if the things that I have inferred into this movie that if they hold up. So anyway, I mean, I, you know, it, it sounds to me like the whole, you know, 
the whole idea for doing this the way it was done is just so, hey, world, I'm still here. I'm still <laughs> making movies. I'm still relevant. Um, but this thing, man, the setting is awesome. Like, the house they used is awesome. I, I love the setting. I like the way it's shot pretty well, except it's about a two-hour movie, and probably, no, I'm not joking about this, probably 60 minutes of it are close-ups of Jennifer Lawrence's shocked face um so they they definitely could have toned that down a little bit but um the performances are pretty good i don't know i i i would say it's worth seeing but i don't want that to you know what scott told us to watch ridiculous six i'm telling you all i I need you all to watch this (laughs) (laughs) well todd never watched ridiculous six so (laughs) Man, when, when this thing comes That's out on fine. video, when it, the, by the next time I win a Force Watch, which will be in about three or four months, this thing may be back <laughs> out on DVD, and this might be what I force you all to watch. So, I don't know. Stay tuned for that. But uh, I don't know. If you all have anything else to add or anything else to say, then feel free. If not, I think we can wrap this episode up. Let's shut her down. Todd, you good with that? Down. <laughs> there it is. All right, fellas. Um, I think that'll do it. So, once again, thank you all for listening. Thank you for sharing. Uh, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Give us a rating. Give us a review. It helps us. Um, appreciate you listening. For Scott Stafford, for Todd Sheen, this is Alan Martin reminding you to walk softly and talk hard. Well, I hope you come see me in the movie. And I know that you will plainly see. Biggest fool that's ever hit the big time And all I gotta do is act naturally Okay, everybody, we're gonna introduce a new segment to the podcast. Never done before, trial run. Let's see how it goes, but uh, this is gonna be, uh, we'll call it Three Minutes with Henry James. Uh, Todd Sheen's son, Henry, is going to join us. We have gotten the green light to ask him whatever we want. And he will answer us for three minutes. Um, Scott, you're on the timer, right? Yep. I've got it. Three minutes is set on your mark. Okay. And start the timer. Henry, what was the best thing about Europe? Europe. Um, Probably Westminster Abbey or the London Eye. But I'm probably going to go with Westminster Abbey. And why? Um, There was a big big huge garden and it had a bunch of things and it had huge trees and it was just really beautiful and the inside it had like little things that looked like phones but you just put them on and um to your head and you listen to whatever the guy said and um there were these little candles um and what happened was uh you lit a candle and you put it on this little stand and then um you it's had this little paper that said um whatever you want us to pray for we will do it on sunday service so i put yeah. it for the hurricane and you just you put in the prayer and then you put in this little thing that they open up and then they get all the prayers and they do it on sunday so now aren't there a lot of famous dead people buried at westminster abbey there are who was your favorite dead person at <laughs> westminster abbey what? Um, 
probably Henry James. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, I've got a question. Um, just like your dad is uh, all the ladies' favorite part of this podcast, uh, how does it feel to, <laughs> kn- to know that you're everyone's favorite part of the Space Cops Season 1? Because that's all I've been hearing for the past two weeks. I don't know about you, Alan. Yep, that's all I've been hearing. How's that feel, Henry? It feels good, I guess. It feels, um, what's that word? Satisfying. Uh, satisfying, yes. Yeah. That's that's always good. Yeah. yeah. We, have, we are down to one minute. All, All right. right, one minute. Winding um, time. What, uh, Henry, what's your favorite television show and why? Hmm. Probably The Middle and because of Axel. Okay. Well, all you middle fans out there, <laughs> you know what he's talking about. And what's your favorite movie currently? Uh, I really like Back to the Future, and I really like Star Wars Force Awakens. So Back to the Future, that's a, that's a classic. That's a, that's top of the list there for, for all of us, I think. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, what's your favorite song? Ouch. Uh, probably rock and roll all night. Just saying. And that's it. Three minutes is up. There it is. Look at that. Oh, he got it in just under the wire. Whoa. Oh, that was last minute. Let, let him let him know what. Let him know that's kisses rock and roll all night. Uh huh. Kisses. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're out of time, so. All right. Don't quit quit hogging all the podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess, or I guess we could just we can just sign off now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well that was a that was a pretty good uh a pretty good get to know you uh entry of the uh of the three minutes with henry james segment i think and so, he uh he may have cooking tips or gardening tips you know if we well, want to throw those in going down yeah, we, didn't, we didn't want to hit him with the hard stuff too too fast too early we want him to come back but uh th- it'll get it'll get worse for you henry trust me say 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 Henry James out. Henry James out. There it is.